Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut, your source for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. I'm Sean Leary, your host, and my guest today is Bill Douglas. Bill is the lead singer of Einstein's Sister, who are going to have a brand new record coming out this Saturday. At, it's going to be on sale at Moline's Co-op Records as part of Record Store Day, and he's going to be talking about that. Also, Bill is a very talented and accomplished artist and we'll talk to him a little bit about his artwork as well and also about just his history as a musician and a creative person so um, Bill's a cool cat and he's a very interesting guy and so I'm sure this will be a very interesting conversation Bill Douglas thank you so much for being my guest hey thanks for having me Sean hello out there everyone the millions and millions of people listening to the show Bill they're they're just electrified with anticipation. So let's let's talk billions to, and billions. Yes, exactly, as Carl Sagan would say. <laughs> um, so let, let's talk a little bit about. Okay, you've got a double A-sided record coming out on yeah. blue vinyl and on CD. Um, tell me a little bit about it. Tell our listeners a little bit about it. Well, it's transparent blue to start with. Um, I felt like you know it, it's you can see through it everything. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> pretty pretty shocking. Um, <laughs> well, um, it's been a project long in the making. Uh, we haven't done anything for a long time. Uh, this is, this particular project has probably been uh, maybe what a year and a half in the making, I suppose. Mm-hmm. When you sit down to all the elements down uh, and it's hard to believe that it's finally finally in physical form coming to a co-op records near you now, if you're in Molina if you're in Molina or anywhere in the Quad Cities now um, yeah, yeah. The, the, this all really kind of started but three years ago you guys re-released Learning Curves uh, which was your yes excellent album um and uh around that time you you played some you played some gigs in the area to promote that and um from what i heard from you know your bandmate carrie tucker he said you know you guys had talked about um maybe doing something at that point um outline for us kind of like the timeline from then to now how things kind of came to fruition launch for the learning curves 20th anniversary which really was ahead of schedule it really wasn't you know 20 years at that point but we um we just couldn't wait any longer we wanted to get we wanted to do something um along those lines we wanted to put something out on vinyl and we had such a a really just a, a rewarding experience doing it that when we got done with with the project uh, when we got done, you know, playing, you know, playing the shows to promote it, uh, we just had such a blast, you know, getting, you know, getting the band back together and 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 doing it that um, you know we started thinking about, well, you know, who knows what this could lead to, you know? And at mm-hmm. the time, I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of like, well, we'll see, we'll see, you know. But um, but ultimately, it got to a point where uh, Carrie was feeling the desire to, you know, to, to get something, to, to do something, a recording, you know, because, um, you know, we had been doing a lot of um, live gigs as an acoustic act uh, mm-hmm. around around the region. 
and, and then he in turn was, you know, playing with, with various other bands, um, you know, doing, you know, other people's material. And it was just, I think, a point where there was, uh, you know, a desire to, you know, to kind of get back to doing what we really, you know, what we got together to do in the first place, which was to write songs. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where, you know, you know, the, um, you know, the impetus for this uh, kind of came from. So, um, but the challenge in this day and age, doing that, as opposed to, you know, when we started doing this, is that, you know, instead of taking two to three weeks out of our summer and camp out, you know, you know, in his parents' back room and, you know, and, and, and write music and, and put it down on, you know, on tape, uh, you know, a lot of time has passed since then and, you know, a lot of life has passed since then. So we're all like, you know, family people and, you know, we're all being pulled in different directions. So, um, you know, the time to put something together was, you know, it, it's become more challenging, you know, from a, right. you know, on a creative set. So, and the way that we, the way that we work has changed over time too, where, you know, initially we were a bit more kind of in the same room working on things and, you know, kind of, you know, um, coming up with different ideas and, and, you know, and kind of, you know, hashing out different, you know, core changes and things, whatever. It's gotten a bit more kind of like how, I guess, in essence, you know, the guys that we, um, we looked up to, uh, Chris Dippert and Glenn Tilbrook, you know, from Squeeze, uh, we kind of, we, we kind of moved closer to, I guess, the way that they, I think, approached songwriting largely is, you know, Glenn would kind of go away and do his thing, and Chris would, you know, do his thing afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of, a, so in, in a lot of ways, I guess the, the, the approach that we had to it kind of became very similar in that respect, but but I mean, over the course of time that we've that we've written songs, um, I mean, we we've, we've never really kind of adhered to one particular um, style or method to doing this. I mean, it's never been just one. You know, it's never been a, a, a cut and dry process. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, there's there were cases where I mean, I mean, initially when we you know when we did the first album, um, you know, a bit of that was uh, uh, various demos that we had done over the course of time that we kind of corralled into one place uh, and brought together to make you know to make the first record that we did mm-hmm. uh, and then and then with Oceanus uh, there were you know I, I there were some there were some cases where uh, I would I would put together uh, some song ideas which carried took forth from there and and added all sorts of elements to to create um, um, you know some of the things like uh, uh, the fallen icon was one of those and um, I'm trying to think what uh, there was another one that was on there too that was kind of along the same lines where I kind of had these initial ideas and then Gary just you know took them and, and ran with it and you know made it way better than you know I would have imagined mm-hmm. um, and then there's other cases where Carrie would put together 
together these, you know, he would have, you know, kind of a song structure kind of in mind for what he was, what he was looking to do. And then he would give me just kind of a, a pattern to, you know, okay, this is what I'm looking for, you know, is it so many beats per line? And so, you know, in essence, it kind of became a puzzle for me to try to figure out, you know, how do I, how do I do something here, you know? And, and, and even over the course of time, that process morphed, you know, where I would actually have, you know, he would actually come up with, I guess, you know, for lack of a better phrase, dummy lines. And really, you know, a lot of them were really, really good. And I would, I would use a lot of them. But, um, but they, but I would take some of those things as kind of cues to build off of. And then, you know, just kind of trying to take what I've learned along the way and try to apply it. Um, and a lot of that, I think still holds true for what we did here. Uh, there was, you know, in, in, in the way that we wrote these new songs, uh, he would give, you know, he gave me uh, kind of a structure on what he was what he was looking at doing, and then it was up to me to kind of figure out, okay, what do we do with this? You know, as far as in terms of you know, lyrical content, you know, what do I keep? What do I what do I take away and, you know, what do I bring to the table? So, um, so the process has changed quite a bit over, over the course of time and it was fun to get back to it. And at the same time, it was, it was different. It was really different. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the guest stars that you sort of had brought along on this project because there's a lot of big names and heavy hitters and people uh, associated with a lot of big stars who um, were involved in this and of course you guys ended up um, mixing it at RAK Studios which is where Radiohead did the bends and um, Pretenders recorded, uh, Simple Minds a number of other bands recorded and of course the biggie it was mastered at Abbey Road, the Abbey Road, right. which you know, right. geez, right. that had to be I mean, a massive thrill. Oh, you know, I mean, I guess, um, you know, the shock was, you know, I guess when, you know, when Carrie let me know what was developing, um, I mean, it was a bit of a, you know, kind of that. Wait a minute, you know, you're kidding me, kind of a thing, you know. It uh -huh. just, it was kind of hard to register. Um, you know, right away, um, and it, you know, it just, it just, yeah, it, it, it's, it's kind of amazing to, you know, again, you know, when you consider where, where we started doing this, and where, you know, where these things have ended up, it's, 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 it's amazing to me, uh, and it's humbling, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, because it's like, man, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of my heroes, have uh, you know have, have made records at these places uh, too many to count um yeah, I always thought that it was interesting to me that um, Steve Lillywhite, a famous producer, has done a lot of stuff at RAK Studios. And I always felt, I remember writing the review for Oceanus and saying, I, I, like the I like the music, I like the material, but I felt some of it was underserved in the production. And I thought Steve, I thought, I thought Steve Lillywhite would have been the perfect producer for that album, particularly... On um uh uh what the hell was it uh Chameleon Girl? Oh 
Sure. Uh, sure. I, I thought that um, just his 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 way of bringing out those big choruses. I always felt that chorus was really just it needed to be just big and bold and it was just underserved by by the producer that you guys had were working with at that at that time um i think i think marty would have liked the drum sounds better yeah yeah that too that well and lily white always yeah. had an act for that too i mean you know he's a guy producing oh, yeah. u2 of course uh the early u2 stuff simple minds a lot of other bands that had that kind of sound so well he had he had you know, Hugh Padgham, right. you know, starting, well, as an engineer, mm-hmm. and, you know, of course, Hugh is legendary for the, you know, for the drum recording techniques that, that uh, you know, he pioneered with, you know, with Peter Gabriel and, and uh, Phil Collins. Yeah. Um, and the police. You know, and old, yeah. Yeah, Stuart exactly, Kaplan, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting you say that. I, uh, I never, I never would have thought of that. And, uh, you know, it, it had, that even been a remote possibility, I would have, I would have leapt at that at, at, at that option because uh, man, I mean, yeah, I can I can I can go through my record collection. I can find a lot of I can find a lot of Steve Lillywhite uh, mm-hmm. produced uh, albums in there. Yeah, yeah, great producer. Let's talk a little bit yeah. about your lyrical process. And you have a a very intricate and diverse um, reference set within your lyrics. There's a lot of uh, metaphor going on. There's a lot of references to um, a broad base of mythological characters and stories and pop cultural references and a lot of stuff that's stitched together. Um, Tell me a little bit about how long does it typically take you to sit down and write lyrics for a song? And I know that each one is individual. Some come to you right away and others... You know, take a little bit more. Um, but tell me a little bit about that, about your process in terms of lyric writing, and then let's talk about one or two songs maybe pick out that you are especially happy with in regard to how they came out lyrically. Sure. Um, well, in a lot of cases, you know, I can think of I can think of many times, you know, where you know I agonized over some of these things, you know, and, and the birthing process was, you know, laborious and, and, and lengthy. Um, and sometimes over, you know, some of the simplest of songs, you know, because mm-hmm. I think sometimes those are the, those can be the toughest to do because, you know, because of that, because there's, there's not much there, you know. Right. Um, uh, but, uh, um, you know, in other cases, well, you know, I could, uh, Destiny Will Ride, I believe, um, didn't take a lot of work to do, but, um, you know, a lot of that was, um, a lot of that was driven by, at the period of time that, I mean, you know, I was writing a lot of the stuff for, for Learning Curves, um, I was trying to, I was trying to expand myself as a lyricist in the, in the idea that, or a songwriter, I guess, um, in, 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 trying to observe the world around me more so than just trying to, you know, focus inward. Um, so I was really, I was trying to pay attention to, you know, picking up on things that people would talk about, things that, you know, people would say. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, people come up with a, you know, a, a turn of a phrase that, you know, just it catches your ear and go, oh, I got to remember that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that particular song, I remember, you know, I was, 
I was working, uh, I was working, I believe, at Ribco at the time, and uh, I picked up on somebody talking about a, someone who had been going through a really tough situation and uh, was, um, you know, with a, you know, a, you know, a, a bad relationship, you know, uh-huh. which, you know, food for food for songs always, right? Right. Um, and uh, and you know, an abusive relationship, and it made me, and and it made me think of, okay, well, what can I do with this, you know? And and um, you know, and coming up with a name that, you know, is not typical. Maybe it is, you know, personality. I mean, people have all sorts of names like Destiny or, you know. Uh, Nevaeh or whatever, you know what I mean? There's just so, different things. You know, people come up with names and things. So there's but, not um, an actual destiny. To, this isn't this isn't based on destiny from Rock of Love season two, as I've heard. <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> but, um, unless unless she was the one the, who was uh, being spoken about at Ripco. you never know. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The name wasn't changed to protect it, but, you know, protect the innocent there. <laughs> right. but everything else was. Um, but there was a, a case where, you know, I was trying to, you know, pick up on some things to kind of give me ideas on, on, you know, what I could do, um, as opposed to, you know, the typical, you know, love gone wrong song, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was, I was really trying to pay attention to the world around me, um, and pick up on things. Uh, that was, like I say, one key where I was very happy with how that came about, and, and especially, you know, to the, you know, all the way to the end of, with the production. It was just uh, one of, I think, probably one of the best things I think that we'd be put down. Um, but then there's, uh, you know, Jealous Time. Uh, that was, um, you know, and I initially, um, when I was when I was writing the lyric for that, um, I, I had a template for the song, the type of song I was doing, um, and it was actually a slow song. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I was using that as kind of a, a kind of a guide to me putting this thing together. And of course, you know, the influence is probably pretty easy to determine. You know, it has kind of a. a, a Costello feel, uh-huh. you know, because, you know, Carrie and I are both, you know, big fans of Elvis. Yeah, you can and, hear that uh, in the music, yeah, definitely. And I think I may have, and I, I think I may have told Carrie, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking Costello on this, you know, as far as what I'm doing, but I didn't tell him what melody was going on in my head mm-hmm. uh, when I, when I, when I put it down, and so he, he took that, and he, you know, being the Costello fan that he is, I mean, he took that and and, and came up with, you know, the, the music that he did, which, again, you know, definitely hits those, you know, hits those bases, but at the same time, it was like, it was totally beyond what I had imagined. Uh-huh. So, so that was, I think, uh, I think that was a really nice moment there. Um, uh, come Saturday was, was, that was actually, uh, that initially, that was the last song that we wrote for Learning Curves. We had, uh, we had something else that we were, that was in its place that we were thinking about doing. And it, it was one of those things where you write it and then you bring it to the band and, you know, it either works or it doesn't. And in this mm-hmm. case, it was a misfire. And so it just didn't click. And um, so we were kind of like, okay, well, now what? You know, and uh-huh. we got like, you know, we're going into the studio next week. We got to do, we have something. 
so um, we ended up uh, writing that pretty much on the fly uh, in you know in the rehearsal studio we just kind of started you know riffing on some things and then we polished it up that weekend and then you know and I I think it's probably one of the strongest things on the record. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I mean, I, I just absolutely love that album. And as I said to Carrie, um, I mean, I named that my number one album of the year, the year that it came out. And I still, like, 20 years later, have no regrets in doing so. I mean, that was an absolutely fantastic album. And not just because I'm friends with you guys, but because just even if I didn't know you at all and I just kind of gotten it, you know, Ran, totally random. I would have loved it. I mean, it was just a, it's a terrific album. I mean, Learning Curves to me is absolutely just a brilliant record from front to back. Um, well, 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 thank you. I, and, and to be very honest with you, Sean, I mean, one of the things that I try to do with everything that I do is I try to see everything objectively. I try to look at it, you know, like, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I don't try to look at it with rose-colored glasses. I mean, I try to look at it like it's, you know, it's got to be as good as whatever else is out there. Uh-huh. I mean, because, you know, when, you know, when I was working, you know, Carrie and I both work, worked, you know, uh, at co-op, you know, record retail. We did that, you know, around the period of time where a lot of people were starting to record their music and put it out there independently, you know. And, and, and so I was seeing what people were bringing in and, you know, I was seeing what, what worked and what didn't, you know, what I thought, you know, you know, there's things I'm thinking, man, you know, if, you, if you're going to put this out there, it's got to look as good as whatever's sitting on the shelf next to it, right. you know, and it, that could be a major label release. So I always kind of try to approach it from that angle. It's like, you know, be objective. I mean, because, you know, you're only fooling yourself if you're not. And, um, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, I've been, you know, blessed to work with, you know, some, you know, fantastic musicians, the chief among them. I mean, uh, you know, Carrie is just, you know, I mean, he's, uh, there's a reason why we've, you know, why we've accomplished the things that we have. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he brings so much to the table. I mean, with, you know, not only the skill that he, that he has as a musician, but also the taste, you know, so, right. um, and, and, and especially in, in, in terms of production, uh, there's, uh, you know, there's a reason why, you know, the things that we have done have accomplished the way, you know, what they have done. And it has a lot to do with, with you know, what, what he has, um, I guess, the the goal that he has set to, you know, to, you know, to meet these standards, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons why we did Learning Curves, because Oceanus, you know, once it got out of our hands, you know, it, you know, the, the vision did not get translated like we had envisioned it you know uh-huh. and and i know a lot of musicians go through this with you know with with labels and producers and things of this sort you know and this is i guess you know our particular tale to tell mm-hmm. but it you know i mean from a bad situation we we ended up with you know uh you know something that we could be proud of right um let's talk a little bit about uh how you and carrie met and uh, the chemistry that the two of you have, uh, it's always difficult to find that. I mean, even between people that are both individually talented, it's always tough to, to mesh, to find that chemistry with someone, particularly when you're working together. And I'm, I say that myself as a creative person who's been a musician and been in bands and done movies and TV shows and everything else. And regardless of the creative medium, it's just tough to find people that you just totally vibe with, even if they've got a lot 
of talent. Sometimes your your styles just don't mesh, or there's just that elusive spark is just not missing. And I was talking and. Um, you know, again, I was talking to Carrie about this. The two of you have very different um, personalities, and it's funny to see, like, the two of you on social media. It really kind of shows. You are very much a lead singer. You've got the ex- extroverted person, and I say that. I say that because we know our own. I mean, I'm the same way. I have the same personality as you. We're both very out there, very opinionated. Hey, look, this is what I had for lunch. Hey, look at this. This is what I think of this. Blah, 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 blah. And Carrie is very taciturn. He's much more reserved. He's, you know, kind of, it's just interesting, the dynamic between the two of you. But it works so damn well. Tell us a little bit about that, the personal dynamic and the artistic dynamic between you and Carrie. And go back to when you guys first met in the 80s and started working together was that always there that kind of like click well you know it's evolved over time because you know when we first started you know when we first started hashing out the idea you know Kerry was in a you know he was in a uh, you know he was in a high school band that you know Porcelain Tears fantastic band Mm -hmm. you know fantastic three piece I mean those guys I mean it was amazing what, what they could accomplish you know with just you know well, I mean, you look at the police, it's like, you know, these guys obviously, you know, it was, you know, that, you know, the police, the jam, stuff like that. I mean, they, you know, that was very much, a, I guess, a, a template for the kind of things that they were pulling off, and, and they did it so well. But, um, you know, they were working on trying to, you know, put together, you know, original material. Um, and, yeah, you know, it, it didn't it didn't really come together like, I think, um you know, like Carrie had hoped to do. Uh-huh. Um, so at one point, and he wanted to do original material. So he, you know, he reached out to me, um, you know, because we were kind of running around, you know, uh, you know, I was hanging around with, uh, uh, with those guys. Uh, and, uh, cause I, you know, I loved the band. I thought the band was great, uh-huh. you know? Um, and so, you know, he approached me and said, Hey, you want to help me write, you know, lyrics? I mean, I could really use a hand with this. It's like, uh, you know, I was, you know, I really didn't have any, you know, preconceived ideas of doing that stuff, but I was approached by a friend and I thought, well, okay, sounds like fun. Why not? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went ahead and, and, you know, got involved with doing that. And, you know, then we started, you know, we, we, we like I say, we, we would take, we would take a summer and we would, you know, hash out uh, like three songs and we kind of gave ourselves that goal and uh, we would put them down on, um, on, um, he had a reel-to-reel tape that we we ended up borrowing a machine from. God, I think it was Jack Seals or somebody like that, uh, and um, we um, we we borrowed a yeah. I mean, we basically we just got this you know gear, filled it up in the you know in the the back uh, uh, entertainment room of his parents' house, and you know over the course of uh, a few weeks, we put together three songs, and then it would. You know, and we had a lot of fun doing it, mm-hmm. and and we hit it off pretty well doing it, and uh, and you know, and then some. And then I think the fall came around, and we said, "Well, let's do another one." You know, like over like you know Christmas break or something like that. Uh-huh. I think it was, and so it just kind of it just kind of started happening. And as we as we went, and Carrie was initially just he was putting down the vocals, and and really all I was really just doing was you know helping with the lyrics and. By the, I think by the time we did our third tape, um, I think he decided that um, I was slacking uh, a bit and <laughs> said, okay, you're going to start singing. I was 
like, okay. And I really hadn't, you know, I mean, I find at home a little bit, but uh-huh. you know, I really had to. I really hadn't played out in a, in a band or anything, so. Now, had he heard um, you singing up to that know, point? <laughs> and here I am doing this stuff, you know. So, um, I started out doing backing vocals on something, and then he made me do lead on something, and then it was like, well, that turned out pretty good. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, okay, well, I guess we'll do some. And I think he was relieved that, that, um, that I guess I could do it because then it was like now I can focus more on doing the other stuff and here you do this right right because <laughs> you know? I couldn't play guitar um, I, you know, I did a little bit of percussion but that was you know that was about it right um, yeah that's what I, I remember when I first moved out here from Chicago um, the first show I ever saw was at Ribco then it was you guys and Tripmaster Monkey and oh yeah um, you guys were, it was Douglas and Tucker. You guys weren't Einstein's sister yet. And you were opening for Tripmaster. Um, was it, a, was it acoustic or was it a band? It was acoustic. It was just you and Carrie. Um, okay. and I, I, re- okay. I remember that. Well, actually, no, I think it was at Stickman's. The first, then I saw Ribco. Okay. I saw bad examples at Ribco. That was the first time I'd okay. been to Ribco. Um, but, oh, um, yeah, that was one of, that was one of our early gigs too. Yeah. That yep. was, uh, yeah, I want to say that. That might have been, gosh, I gotta think about this. Um, that might have been like in the first five gigs, maybe that we did. Uh huh. You know, and and keep in mind, for me, <laughs> first five gigs I ever played. Um. So yeah, yeah. Carrie made me. Uh, we 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 opened for. He was in a band. He was in a cover band called The Vouchers, which was, yeah, you know, big. It, a lot of you know, a lot of shows, very popular in the area. And um, and uh, they had a personnel change, and so they were running lean on material. So so we were, he Carrie asked me, he goes, hey, do you want to do an opening slot for you know for these guys or something in the middle, you know, to kind of buy us some time, you know, because we got to fill this full night because um, I think I think Terry had just um, I think he just taken over the club, and it was like you got to play three sets, you know, so so we. So we were kind of like, okay, can we do this? You know, and I had never played before live. Mm-hmm. I'd never sung before like that live. And here I am on the Ribco stage, uh, which, you know, hey, a lot of great people have played on that stage. Yeah. A lot of, you know, I mean, killer acts. Right. And, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. So I basically got thrown to the wolves on that one. Um, butterflies in my chest, <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. And... But I, it was situations that I found myself in like that that uh, forced me to kind of just, yeah, you kind of get out of your shell pretty fast, Let's, you, you know, doing that. <laughs> so so. Tell, me, tell me a little bit about, well, for one thing, I'm gonna, I want to talk about the new single, the double A side. Um, I, well, first thing I noticed about it, you did the graphic design on the cover. Usually, you you have Tim Van Hefty, uh, uh, a portrait of his on the cover of a lot of your material. What led to the different artistic direction? Well, um, I'm glad you brought up. I'm glad you brought up Tim. Tim is, um, you know, I went to college with Tim. Tim is one of my um, one of my dear friends, talented artist, and uh, um, and he, thank God, was able to give us. Um, you know, a really distinctive look, you know, on the on the early releases, um, with uh, with his with his talents. Um, and as time progressed, um, we we had had to evolve um, 
and well, you know, it's like with anything, it's like um, over time you you and you know you have to gradually kind of change the way you do things in uh-huh. order to you know to get make sure people are paying attention right. and uh, and you know we had um, um, Tom Marchese uh, who. Um, uh, Marty knew uh, from working with um, who um, helped us uh, develop the um, uh, the package for Humble Creatures. No, yeah, did so, he do? Did he? Um, do, he did Humble Creatures and the Best of, didn't he? Right. Well, okay. and he also did the new one. He also, yeah. yeah I, I I didn't design the new one. I, it's yeah. It's that was Tom. Okay. okay. Uh, basically, you know, we had. Um, you know, we we did uh, we did a photo session with Mark Hancock, who's an old dear friend as well. Uh, does wonderful photography. We were able to coerce him into uh, uh, doing you know doing some um, you know, doing some photos for us. And and Tom took that uh, took those and uh, you know came up, you know Kerry had the, an idea of what he was looking for. Um, again, Costello was kind of the um, I think um, one of the things he was thinking about, as mm-hmm. far as in terms of you know early Costello and some like uh, like uh, uh, like Get Happy uh-huh. uh, was uh, which was which was a very you know strong album for for both of us. Um, but I think that you know he was kind of you know kind of telling Tom that hey you know this is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, see what you can do. And Tom, of course, did his own thing. You know, obviously, um, and and. Um, you know, and we ran through a few different ideas, and and uh, and you know this this one really clicked. You know, it was just, and I thought it was a, a nice departure from you know some of the things that we've done in the past. You know, a it was a bit more simplistic in you know in uh, color and mm-hmm. design, um, and also uh, we'd never really we'd never really put our our own faces on on you know these things. Yeah, so, that's the other thing that's different about it is this is the first time on any of your records that the band is actually pictured on the cover. Exactly, and again, this is not you know it wasn't you know something we set out to do, but it it again you know as time progresses, you know you have to kind of change things up a bit, you know, right. um, to you know keep I mean to keep yourself interested, but also you know to keep you know keep your audience interested too, you know, and uh, no, I think Tom did a fantastic. Well, and I'm sure that it also allowed Carrie to write off that beret on his taxes because he, it is featured on the cover. <laughs> yeah, I kind of yeah, it, uh, it has made its appearances. Um, I, I uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of look like I have the invisible head. Uh, <laughs> Tell me a little bit. Tell me a little bit about the two, the two the two songs. Begin again and uh, standing still. Where where were you? Was your head um, in terms of putting the lyrics together? In in terms of writing with Carrie on both of these, and um, you know, tell us a little bit about what they're about and what they mean to you. anything to anyone, I mean, and how they interpret it. Um, I mean, there's things that, you know, I can, you know, I could possibly tell you about what they are, and, you know, even, I don't even know completely to the extent on, 
you know, like on, on standing still. Um, that's a bit, there's probably a bit more of carry in, in what's going on there um, in terms of the content. Um, you know, I guess that's, there's, it's, it's definitely, a, you know, relationship driven uh, and, yeah, and I guess there's a lot of question marks that kind of come in in there from that. Um, you know, as far as you know, how do we, you know, how do we move forward? How do we, you know, how do we do these things? Um, you know, how do we, you know? And I think in some ways, you know, in the way we're where we're at in in uh, in this world today, you know, relationships, a lot of different things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, with uh, the other song, Be- Begin Again. Um, now that was a case where I think, you know, I had a bit more of an idea of where I wanted to go with this. And I guess um, if if I was going to write a protest song, this is maybe about as close as it's gonna get. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that we do, a lot of choices that we make, you know, and sometimes, you know, in the course of that, you know, sometimes, especially in relationships, you know, sometimes people, you know, find themselves going in different directions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there you have it. <laughs> so, Suitably vague, Mr. Douglas. Suitably vague. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, again, I mean, I, I, I don't want, I don't want to color these things with, you know, with, you know, definitely, you know, crystalline pictures. I want, I want people to, you know, to get in there and kind of draw their own conclusions. You know, it's, uh, I guess, again, it, you know, the way they approached it, again, was a bit more like a, you know, solving a riddle or a puzzle, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, going off of, you know, the patterns that I was given and trying to figure out what do I say here, what do I do here? Right. And, and, and how do I, how do I make it work, you know, because, you know, you can, you can have a poem and, you know, it may not necessarily work as a lyric, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I mean, there's, uh, I think you can appreciate that. I mean, there's, yeah. there's certain, there's things you have that you find in the course of, you know, doing, you know, doing something. And sometimes you find that certain words work well and mm-hmm. some don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so there's, you know, there's a bit of, there's a, there's a lot of thought to the sound as much as the content. Um, one of the, one of the best uh, things that I discovered along the way of trying to learn how to do this, uh, there was, um, I think it was uh, one of those um, like classic album things where, you know, like it, they take an artist in an album and they dissect it, you know, they get in and they talk about, you know, tracks by tracks, you know. Uh-huh. And, um, I remember, I think it was the Paul Simon Graceland uh-huh. collection where he gets into the mechanics of, of how he approaches songwriting. And it was always about start with a factual statement and see where it goes. You know, just it gradually, you know, the storytelling kind of goes from, you know, once you get that statement out, you know, a man walks on the street, where is he going? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and all those different things that kind of come after that. So I've always kind of had that in the back of my head as I approach writing lyrics. You know, there's, there's, it's got to be, you know, it's, 
got to make it interesting. Right. Um, speaking of, one of the things I noticed, like, in now you've been married now, to, you've been with your lovely wife, Minda, for uh, about two decades now. Um, uh, pretty close, pretty close. A lot She's of, waving to you as she, as she uh, hears you. Oh, that. hello, Minda. Hello, Minda. Big um, thumbs up from you. No, obviously, a lot of songs, and I and I certainly, you know, songs I've written in the past, have to deal with the toils and tribulations of relationships and the stop, the starts and the stops, and what have you. And a lot of the early Einstein's material was like that as well, where it dealt with a lot of relationships and the the starts and stops and the intricacies of that. And then you kind of, you know, obviously, when you find somebody that you truly love and connect with, it brings Brings a different kind of um, feeling to it. Uh, tell tell me how your songwriting and your lyric writing has evolved as your own state of mind and your and you know your sense of contentedness within a relationship has evolved. I mean, you've gotten to a better place as a person and as a human being and within a relationship. And obviously, the way you look at the world, your perspective, and the things that you're expressing also change with that well okay to give you kind of an idea um, okay so you take a song like you take a song like jealous time mm-hmm. and and you know that provides I guess a lot of mer- metaphors for you know I guess any relationship that is um, you know we have someone who's you know being unfaithful or whatever mm-hmm. and you know, like some of us can can relate to that you know, quite well. Yeah. Um, um, Thanks for bringing that up, Bill. Thanks for bringing that up. Right. <laughs> Salt in the wound, hey, Bill. Hey. <laughs> We've all been there, myself included. So, um, but uh, but with um, you know, when when you get into when you get into a situation where you are happy mm-hmm. and you are you know in a long term relationship, um, you know, yeah, you start to see things differently and you start to approach things differently because, okay, now I don't have all this angst in me and I don't have all this bitter, you know, anger or hurt or whatever, you know, it's like it's kind of quite the opposite. And so what I think a lot of songwriters find is that, you know, writing becomes a bit more challenging as a result, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, we're, you know, some of the best songs are written from, you know, bad situations, right? right? And uh, so, but um, in this case here, um, you know, I guess I, I guess one of the things I could point to um, uh, on um, on humble creatures, I had to pull it out because I was trying to remember some of these things. Um, Something true was um, was a song that I wrote with my with my wife in mind because of you know, there were some things that. You know, at the time she was, you know, she was going through, and uh, and I wanted that to be something that, you know, I, you know, to kind of, I guess, be a, I guess, a, a way to convey, you know, hey, I'm here for you. This is, you know, I always will be here, type of thing, and to find a way to, you know, to bring it into a song. Um, you know, and it's one of those songs that we hardly ever have. I think we we played it once, maybe live, maybe. You know, and I think it mainly because the type of song. It's a hard song to play. Uh-huh. Um, it's not only a hard song to play; it's a hard song to sing uh, because of the because of the way that the um, uh, the, the song is structured. Um, and again, you know, that's you, you can pull a lot of things off in the studio, but 
lives a different story. Mm-hmm. But that's a song that that I that I wrote from you know a special place you know to uh, her. And then um, and then a couple after that on that album we had Mermaid Parade. Now that was a song that she, that that Minda actually gave me uh, the inspiration for because she had um, she had heard of the Mermaid Parade. Um, out, you know, uh, on Coney Island, and she was a big fan of, of a lot of things like, you know, uh, you know, that happened on a Coney Island, you mm-hmm. know, just, you know, the amusement parks and, you know, the certain, you know, the oddities and things like that, which is very intriguing to her. And uh, so Mermaid Parade was, yeah, I think I was at a point where I was, I don't know if I was looking for things to draw inspiration from. You know, it was a Humble Creatures was a challenging album to do uh, because it's like when you get when you get learning curves out of your system and you know you accomplish a lot of big things there that you never thought you'd ever be able to pull off, and then it's like, well, now what do you do? Right. You know, and uh, and I think and I think there's you know I think there's a lot of strong moments on there. Um, but Mermaid Parade came, yeah, from a special place, and that was where, uh, again, that was um, that was an interesting song to pull together because you know I had all these different visual cues from you know just doing you know I did research. You know, my wife got me doing research on this stuff, and I was like, oh, okay, you know. So pulling that stuff together was was um, was kind of fun, and and again, it it, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Bill? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. You caught me in a moment. Okay. <laughs> in a contemplative, a moment of contemplative silence with Bill Douglas. Yeah. Fill in there what you will. <laughs> so, so, so where um, do you go from here in regard to Einstein's? Where do you see it going? Have you guys, you know, how many... I mean, do you have, like, a, a notebook of songs that you've written for, you know, over the last 10 years or so that you're like, you know, you'd really love to get into the studio and record with Carrie? Um, you know, what do you, what do you see happening after this single? Um, I mean, and I understand that life intervenes, both of you, like you said. And it is true. It's very true. I mean, you know, it's sometimes that's one thing I don't think people understand oftentimes about adulthood is you remain friends with people, but you don't spend as much time with them because life intervenes. You have families, you get married, you have kids, you have jobs, you have other demands. And so a lot of times you don't spend a lot of that time together. And so um, it, it's not a case of, you know, the, the partings and the, the separations are very much often am- amicable. It's just life intervenes. That's just the way it goes. And before you know it, a year's passed and two years have passed. You know? Exactly. It's well, it I mean, a good example of that is that I was reading some things because I'm working on uh, I'm working on uh, a, a press release or something I'm not sure uh, but uh, I read something they pointed out that uh, we did the um, we did the Learning Curves 20th anniversary vinyl in 2017 and I'm like wait a second that was three years ago right how is that I know you know and it, it, yeah I mean it's, I mean as 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 time progresses and you get the advantage of progressing with it you come to find out that yeah that that time moves quicker uh than than you really think and the next thing you know it's like 
Yeah, it really has been a long time since we did some of these things. Right. Um, but it doesn't seem that way, and I guess that's one of the things why we, when we get back to doing this stuff, it's, it kind of feels like, you know, it's it just like, a, you know, it's just been a short break, you know, and here we are again. You know, we still tell the same jokes, you know, not all of them good. Uh, <laughs> sorry, here. Uh, you know, but I mean, but we, you know, we still, we still enjoy each other's company, and it's, we have a good time when we get together, and, and we, you know, it's still, um, thankfully, it still sounds like what it did, you know, when we were doing it before, you know, and, and, and it's, um, you know, and with, uh, you know, with the benefit of having some guest, you know, people come in, uh, you know, that Carrie was, was, uh, was able to, um, entice into, um, you know, collaborating with us on this project, you know, Tim Smith, I mean, I mean, that guy is one of my heroes, uh, you know, fantastic musician, you know, when you look at, you know, what he's done with Jellyfish, uh, the producers, you know, I mean, Hero Crow's bass player for, you know, many moons, and, um, you know, the Uma Jets, his own project, I mean, he's a fantastic musician, and, and you know, he's, you know, and now, you know, he's doing, you know, the, you know, the reunion project with um, Roger Manning Jr. and and Eric Dover, you know, Licorice Quartet, which I hope everybody checks out because they're really good. Um, but uh, to have Tim be a part of this is just, I mean, it, you know, it, it still kind of blows my mind, you know. And, and Vinny Zummel, um, here's a guy who, you know, I mean, this guy's played with Joe Jackson, toured with him, you know, all over the world. And, you know, he's, you know, he's adding, you know, guitar textures to, you know, something that, you know, the carry edition. And, you know, I mean, again, that's something else, you know. Very cool. Um, yeah, any, just a mind blower. Any, Bill, I'd love to have you as a guest again on the show. We can talk all about the comic books and artwork and our connection with Eric Larson and his love of uh, of learning curves and, and those things. Um, <laughs> Funny story there. Um, Funny story there. Uh, I just mailed him a package today. Uh-huh. Well, I know he loves that album. He's, he's often said that's one of his favorite albums of all time. I know. It blows me away. You know, and it's funny because I uh, initially had just, uh, you know, I'd seen, I'd read, I don't know, one of the letters pages or something of the Savage Dragon that, you know, that uh, he was a big fan of uh-huh. um, Amy, Amy Mann and, uh, um, oh, gosh, what was the other one? Um, Sarah, oh, geez, the name's, I'm drawing a blank. Sarah Bareilles or Sarah McLaughlin? Uh, what was the last one? McLaughlin? No, 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 no. This is somebody definitely, Sarah Hickman. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that'll send you back to the record collection to take a look. Yeah, yeah, these are, yeah, I, I believe Sarah Hickman. Um, but he was like a fan of, of, you know, and I was thinking, well, gosh, if he likes some of that stuff, maybe, just maybe, he might like. And so, um, you know, I uh, he was at, uh, I think, Wizard World or something in Chicago one year, and I was like, hey, check this out. You know, let me know if you like it, you know, if you like this other stuff. And, uh, you know, the next thing, you know, I got, a, I think, a, you know, a, an email or something from him after the fact, and I was kind of blown away because, of, you know, I, I, I was hoping that he might like it, uh, but I didn't expect him to like it as much as he professed to like it. Uh-huh. And uh, and so, yeah, so that was, uh, you know, that was a, a very cool moment for 
for me. Uh, you know, just the bridging of these things, you know. Um, and I know Eric's been patiently waiting for this to come out, as the rest of um, us have been, I guess. So, um, so uh, yeah, I told him I'd send him something, and so he's looking forward to that. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think you and I ran it, because I've known Eric since I was 11 years old, and I started writing and drawing for comic books when I was 11, and Eric yeah, and I crossed paths I told me that. at that point, and I, you and I, I think you and I ran into each other just by chance at Wizard World that year, because I was up there with Steven and Chris Barnhoft. And um, and I ran into you, and we were both up there, and we both had talked to Eric. Yeah. I think and that was the same year. Yeah. Bizarre, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause, I mean, you know, because I'm obviously meeting you through different circumstances, and, you know, and then come to find that out, it's just, it's just, it, it's amazing how all interconnected some of these things uh-huh. can be, you know? Yeah. You know, much the same way as, you know, I mean, Carrie making some of these connections, and, you know, and now... You know, he knows people on Abbey Road. I was like, well, who would have thought that, you know, 20, 30 years ago? Who are are some of the other folks? And I know there are other people in the music industry that really enjoy Einstein's sister and especially really enjoyed learning curves. Um, Who are some of the other, you know, people like David Bash, for example, um, and other folks within Uh, other respected musicians and people in the industry who were really big fans of you guys and, and continue to enjoy your music? Mm-hmm. You know how much of it? Yeah, I don't. 
Cool, man. You'll have to have carry on that one. <laughs> Any, anything else that you'd like to add that we have not talked about in regard to the new record or any anything else that you want to talk about? Well, let's see. Um, I guess uh, the best thing I can say is, hey, if you're listening, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's taken a while for us to get back to this point. Um, and if, if we get a lot of support for it and who knows, maybe, maybe the second single will be coming sooner than later. Uh, that's entirely possible, and we leave it up to you, the listeners. Uh, and my, my daughter would be uh, very upset if I didn't mention uh, her at this time. So, <laughs> so uh, everybody give props to my daughter, Bella. <laughs> <laughs> props to Bella. Thank you so much, Bill. There you go. Now, again, yeah, again thanks, folks, Sean. You could you could check out the new record Einstein's sister. It's a double A side. Begin again and standing still. Released this Saturday at Moline Co-op uh, Records for Record Store Day, and um, I highly recommend picking it up. Uh, you can also get it on Spotify and various other you know um, uh, music platforms, Amazon streaming music. Amazon Music, everything else. And there are actually we have um, if you go to QuadCities.com and you go to our Spotlight feature on Einstein Sister, we have links to all of those streaming services so you can pick that up um, as well as Einstein's previous records as well. And I'm assuming that copies of the previous albums will be available at Co-op including the awesome Learning Curves Yellow Vinyl. Is that is that true, Bill? Oh, I'm sure of that. Um, yeah, there's probably uh, there's probably a few copies left on vinyl and uh, I believe there's uh, you know probably a few of those uh, those uh, silver platters, I believe they call them compact discs. <laughs> the, that ancient technology, yes. 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 Yeah, give it time, give it time. Uh-huh. You know, it'll come back around. Right. You know, I'm waiting for it. Like vinyl has, yes. Um, right. Well, yeah. and, you know, actually, in a, one of these days, Sean, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe we'll get around to, you know, to reviving either the cassette or the A-track. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about the eight track. I don't. I think the eight track will never see the, the the face of God again, Bill. But the cassette could possibly come back in style. I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, uh, you know, can you imagine learning curves on the eight track? I mean, where do you <laughs> where do you break up the medley? I want to. I want to see where you and Carrie are going to be wearing the leisure suits in in regard to that. I want a cover that's reminiscent of you know Ozark Mountain Daredevils for that one if you release it. <laughs> Well, you know, um, I would probably entertain that idea probably after <laughs> Mr. Tucker. Um, and in that respect, I, uh, yeah, I can be rather, rather shameless. Yes. The polyester <laughs> gauntlet has been thrown down, Carrie. It's up to you to pick it up. There you go. There you go. So, Bill, thank you so much. Uh, please be a guest on thank the show you. again. I, I, I'd love to talk with you at length about your artwork. You, uh, you can go to drawmebill.com to check out some of Bill's awesome caricature work. Um, I'd like to talk with you more about that. So I hope to have you on, you on again as a guest. Looking forward to that. Um, hey, uh, anytime. And thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you. And thank you, folks. into your, your, your podcast this evening. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Have a good one, man. You too. Thank you. Thanks, Sean.
And thank you for listening to QC Uncut, uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. Uh, my guest today is Bill Douglas, lead singer and songwriter with Carrie Tucker for Einstein's sister. They've got a new single, Double A Side, Begin Again and Standing Still, coming out this Saturday. You can get it at Moline Co-op Records, and um, they are also going to have their other discs there as well. I highly recommend checking out the other ones, Learning Curves, um, Humble Creatures, and their self-titled debut and of course the best of so go and check those out this saturday and you can get their music uh streaming on um itunes spotify everything that you know pretty much you can get music on online and check out their spotlight here at quadcities.com so once again thank you very much for listening i'm sean leary have an awesome day